It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, you've got John Huber, former U.S. attorney, sitting in for Boyd this afternoon, which I'm very happy to do so. Our next spot, our next conversation will be with a friend of mine, Pamela Atkinson. It should be a name that you recognize if you keep up on issues in Utah. She's been around for a long time. She's advised a good number of our gubernatorial administrations. And we want to talk about refugees. According to the United Nations, more than 600,000 people have fled Afghanistan since January of last year. And Utah is in the process of welcoming many of these refugees. We think about those images from when it just fell apart and we evacuated Afghanistan. How many are coming to Utah? How can we help? Pamela Atkinson from the State Refugee Advisory Board joins us on the line to discuss Utah's current refugee situation. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you so much, John. Well, it's great to have you on the program. It's always great to listen to you. And I'm, i i got to tell you, Pamela, I'm a sucker for a good, beautiful accent, and so I could just listen to you all day long. <laughs> well, That's strange. My family in England tell me when I call them that I sound frightfully American. <laughs> oh, it's rubbing off on you. I apologize for that, Pamela. <laughs> That's no problem. Well, I wonder if you could give us uh, give us our listeners an idea of what the refugee situation in Utah is right now. The um, the work in coordination with um, the, the federal government and state department and the um, refugee resettlement office, and we actually have two resettlement agencies here. Catholic Community Services is one, and the other one is IRC, or the International Rescue Commission Committee, excuse me, which is a worldwide organization. And both of these agencies have been very um, active in welcoming new refugees. And the numbers we were having about 11 to 1,300 people coming, and then the numbers went down in the last administration, but have picked up again. And we had agreed that between the two resettlement agencies that we could take approximately 750 Afghan refugees. And uh, the refugees were coming to the United States and they were assigned to various Air Force bases um, around the country. And then as the weather got colder and a lot of these uh, people were in the tents and sleeping outside and what have you. And with the flooding, the snow and the awful cold they've been having, um, they started moving people out to uh, Utah and other states. And right now, our our total number of of refugees from Afghan is 637. Those are people who are already here? I'm sorry, Pam. Those are people who are already here? No. These are people who are already here, and they are either in extended motels, and as everybody knows, 
We're frightfully short of housing. And these agencies have, have just worked incredibly hard to find placements um, for all of the refugees. But meanwhile, those who don't have housing are in the extended motels. We've been asked to take more than, than that number. Um, and one of the meetings I had with uh, somebody from, from the feds, and he said, but Pamela, we've got another 100,000 refugees to place. And I said, we, you know, we can't take them if we don't have housing. And he said, well, what about warehouses? And I said, we're not particularly enamored of putting refugees who are so traumatized into warehouses and and warehousing them for another few months till we get housing. But the housing coordinators have worked so hard that we've been um, able to get quite a few, um, I think, Catholic community services. They've had 221 refugees come and they have been able to place in housing all 221 that's fantastic that That means that the landlords sorry oh i'm just saying that's fantastic pamela that that well it is what what about i have to give credit to paul smith and the landlords association they're working very closely with us and letting us know when apartments are available what can individual listeners who are listening to you and their their hearts are touched? What can individuals do to help out with this cause? Is can you make donations, money, food, hard goods? What mm-hmm. can be done? All, all of the above. Um, the Catholic Community Services and the IRC have wonderful, um, easily navigable. Sorry. Um, website and it spells out specifically what is needed uh my church the first presbyterian church in salt lake we gave them 75 bedroom kits bathroom kits and kitchen kits and we got a list of all that people would need to move into an apartment for those rooms and uh, we we raised money we raised donation donations from other churches and the, the Church of Jesus Christ pitched in a great deal. And then we just packed everything up and uh, transported it to IRC and to the um, CCF. And as Afghan families were assigned to a house, they were able to give them the complete kits for those rooms to move in. So they, they had china and pots and pans and towels and linen and everything. And if you look at what we have in our own homes, that's exactly what is needed by these refugees. They also need volunteers, and volunteers can call the volunteer coordinator at either place, CCS or IRC, and they can find out what the um, responsibilities and roles are. It's not very easy to walk in and do that, however much compassion that that we have, we have to remember the Afghan refugees have been um, so traumatized. Now, all of us who are involved, we've had trauma-informed care training because all refugees are traumatized, just as homeless people are traumatized. But 
because of the training we've had now, we're able to help the Afghans so much more. Plus, we have the Afghan communities that have been here for a number of years. And so we're working uh, with them and um, they've been able to help an enormous number of, of, of people. And you'll be interested to know that we've had 48 Afghan refugees, what we call walk-ins. These are people who were at the bases and the Air Force and the federal government allow them to leave the base, like to come to Utah where they have friends. So the community has sent them um, plane tickets. And then when they come, they're met by the Afghan community. And then we assign them to one of the refugee resettlement offices. So money is good. Governor Cox started a community fund, had incredible pledges with just over a million dollars right now. And this is helping to pay for all kinds of case management for each and every one of the refugees and English tutorials, uh, computers. And one of the first things when the Afghans get here is we work with them with the paperwork for work authorization that the federal government can grant, and then they need a social security number. Well, these communities um, and these agencies actually have people um, like Amazon knocking on the door saying, we need workers and we're paying $21 an hour. And so the work is there, and many Afghans are so eager to work. I'm sure they are. I am sure they are. This is this has been so good to hear that Utah has been so welcoming. We we like to think that we are, and we want to be helpful to people who are so traumatized to give them the basics: food, shelter, and then move on to helping them transition into a more permanent. A solution to the challenges that they have faced. Well, Pamela Atkinson, thank you so much for talking with us. She serves on the State Refugee Advisory Board. She has been named an advisor to Governor Spencer Cox, and she also, this isn't the only thing she works on, she also serves on the State Homeless Coordinating Committee in Vision Utah and Utah Coalition Against Pornography. Thank you so much, Pamela, for joining us. Well, coming up with all the questions politicians field every day, How do they prepare their answers? Well, some are better than others. And under pressure, it gets even more difficult. Sarah Isker joined Inside Sources to discuss curling, the Olympic sport, and how it relates to preparing to answer questions by politicians and policymakers. Come back and listen to that very interesting conversation. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. 
In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.